Today's episode uh, is uh, me interviewing David Shingy, uh, the digital prophet of AOL. I had the pleasure to meet him in Oslo a couple of days ago when he did a presentation. Uh, he's uh, one awesome guy and I had the pleasure of talking to him about digital marketing, influence-driven marketing and the future of blogging. So enjoy. My first question I've been I've been dying to ask this. Hopefully. Do you have to look like a rock star to become a digital <laughs> No. I mean <laughs> but it helps I guess. I don't know man. I've uh, I've had a distinct look since I was this big. Okay. My sister's a hairstylist. Ah, so I was an ex- I was an experimentation monkey for her since ah. I was sort of this big so you know I've had every haircut under the planet but I've um, yes cool you know yeah but I, I like your style it's cool thank you man um, I like yours too brother oh, oh thank you I actually try. when I saw you out on the street you were all iced up yeah from this bloody snow yeah alley. I looked kind of dangerous I remember I just <laughs> you looked dangerous because <laughs> 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 I looked really lost on the street you did yeah, um, so you use all your time staying kind of ahead of the trends and trying yeah. to see what's in the future I certainly try to yeah yes and and, and what we work with, what I'm interested in, is what's called influence and driven yeah. marketing. Yep. And um, when I look at all your talks, your interviews and stuff like that, you talk a lot about tension and audiences and stuff like that. Um, what would you say is the for an influencer, a person with a crowd, uh, how could brands best work with people like that, do you think? You know, it's interesting because at the moment... That's a really intriguing question today because attention is the economy, no doubt. But in addition to that, we still treat audiences like they need to be massive. It's like a popularity contest. I'm, and this is just a data point of one. My opinion at the moment is I don't know whether a big audience means high engagement. In fact, I think, it's, I think it's, you know, many times the long tails where it's really intriguing where people have in-depth. Now, for brands, a lot of them don't have conversations around their brand in places where, that are unusual. They don't go into these technical places with people, you know, they might be a CPG brand, but they don't even go to places that are technical to talk about the brand technically. So they're not part of the, all the conversation. They're just part of the popular conversation, which is kind of very close to advertising. Yes. So the influencer, I think, could be... Brands can use influencers to make sure that they're covering off those deep, intimate conversations, which brings, I think, mindshare... And hopefully mind share in the, in the hearts and minds of consumers means market share because it's at the top of their mind. I agree. So influencers that can engage deeply. Now, engage deeply on a wide audience is really difficult to do, especially when you're talking about specifics in particular products that you want to talk about. So I think it's a fine balance between depth and breadth, the T-bar strategy. Yeah. You've got to go wide with people that are interest-based, but you go really deep on people that want to engage and... You know, influencers do an amazing job of that anyway. They do. And, uh, uh, of course, brands are always using people with a big audience to get no doubt. attention. But I would say that the biggest difference now is that a celebrity got all kinds of people following them, but influencers got this really hardcore kind of crowd. Super to, niche. Yes. And I think niche is the new mass, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I really yeah. believe that because at the end of the day, I don't want to see something that seems contagious coming from everyone. No. I rather something that's curious and unusual that, you know, I was the first to find or I was the first to be influenced by somebody. And that's, you know, music I think is part of the history of where we've seen that happen in the past where it's like, hey man, I knew that band back when. Yeah. Or I saw that band in a coffee shop before they played stadiums. Now that is an influencer model. Now how you do that on scale today, 
is very, very challenging, especially when, again, we treat it like a popularity contest. I don't know. Yeah, we are. It's an interesting place. So I, I would say that more and more brands are getting better using advertising the right kind of way, but yeah. they're, still, they're still just pounding out the same kind of messages. Uh, as a brand out there, there's so much possibilities. Um, what kind of channels and technologies would you focus on to get your advertising out? Yeah, well I think if you do it right, you know I'm a big fan of sight, sound and motion which is video. Yeah. And the reason for that is it just plays to emotion, it's just not rational based advertising. Yeah. Rational based advertising is important because it helps with direct response, but you know, how do you get sales overnight and brand over time, a lot of it's got to do with emotion and that's where video comes into play. Yeah, true. But video, uh, you know, where I get excited is it could be anything from six seconds as I've shown to, you know, 13 minutes. If you can hold it, man, just do it. Yeah. Especially if it's integrated into the video itself. So if your video is integrated authentically with the brand in some way, then that itself is the ad. But it's also the story. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And if you can get that, that's great. And it doesn't have to be high production, it just has to be high engagement. Yeah. And it all depends on what we're trying to market. So, huge fan of video, huge fan of making sure people, if the story itself is about the product or is intriguing and involves a product, and that itself is the ad. Yeah. And that's why I think things like 15s and 30s or 60s on television uh, in the future for me have become less relevant. But for most brands, it's really hard to create content, wouldn't it be? I mean, they're not kind of media businesses. Most people just create products that they sell to people, and now they have to create videos and create content. And, yeah. and you know, in Norway, we have a lot of small businesses, for example, and right. they don't have, can't afford a big agency doing massive productions. And of course, the production don't need to be that good, but. I mean, how, how how can you try to stay on top and create content when you have so little time? And so but everything is content, isn't it? Yeah. So 140 characters is content. True. Every time you send something out, it's it's a thoughtful piece of commentary around a brand. I'm not talk I'm talking about brands, not individuals. Yeah. So everything is part of the amplification model if they're trying to get their brand at least in front of people and how they engage. Again, I think that's the video motion. So there is, there are many ways to experiment, and there's so many more today. I mean, back in the day, it was probably five ways to advertise, you know? Yeah. Outdoor, TV, radio, print. It was easy. It was much easier. Yeah. Today, dude, that's a factor times 50. Yeah. But for each brand, it's all going to depend on what's most important for them. And also whether it's a consumer-based brand or a B2B brand. But every brand has a story and they have something that they're selling to somebody. Yeah. So how they tell that story is really has to be authentic. And I know that's an overused word, but it has to be an authentic that resonates with the audience that actually cares about that brand. Otherwise, they're not going to give a shit about it anyway. I agree. And I also think what's really important is that can people, brands, large or small, can they build content that allows, instead of advertising to me, why don't you give me something that I want to pass as content that's hyper-personalized to everyone else? Yeah. So I don't hear about brands because I follow a brand. In fact, I consciously try not to. Yeah. I follow people. Yeah. And if they like a brand because I love the influencer model, then that's utopia. Yeah, it is. So how do I build content that says you're going to actually push it out to your network and I'm part of that? Yeah. And that's how I'm going to hear about it. It could be breaking news. It could be product launch. It could be a number of things. Yeah. That becomes pretty cool, man. Cool. I wanted to shift over to, to blogging in particular as a platform. Sure. Uh, what are you, your thoughts on, on, on blogging and bloggers? Uh, well, I think that travel all around. Yeah, I think there's two guys. things. There's, there's, you know, I, I've already said that I think that niche is the new mass. Yeah. In addition to that, I think slow journalism is coming back. Okay. What do you uh, mean that? 
Well, you know, I'm kind of a bit tired of looking at stuff in short sound bites. Yeah. And this fear of missing, missing out culture makes me kind of anxious. So if I'm really intrigued by something, I want to go and dig into it again. So I want long form. Okay. It doesn't have to be just written words, but I like, I like methodical videos. I like sight, sound and motion embedded in the story. I like the ability to say, oh, it's contextualised. And it feels like that's kind of, those platforms are coming back in ways, even across, you know, the first screen device, you know, yeah. the, the interaction of the mobile device. They're starting to do that. It's not just about short bursts of information. That's great for Gen C, but I do believe that there is this momentum of there is depth and there's quality and there's thoughtfulness, which creates a calmness, um, which we, we had lost for a while, I think. But it feels like uh, there, there may be a revolution around that slow journalism coming back. I call it slow journalism because it's, it's, it's kind of trying to create a quietness and a stillness and saying, how am I going to spend my time attending to this? Yeah. And I'm not a depth reader. You know, I don't spend a lot of time reading books, but I'll read a lovely long article that actually gives me all what I want to hear. I'll give you an example. So if I see a breaking piece on any of the social outlets, I'll still go to an authority to get the depth. Yeah, and so that's, that's where I think it's interesting. Now, blogging allows it. It's been democratised, yeah. so I don't have to follow somebody who is just a journalist. I mean, it's just somebody who has an opinion. If I like their opinion, then I'm going to be thoughtful, and that's the power of blogging, I think, today. Yeah, and the platforms are, you know, are just there to, to help people uh, express that even Get more heard. importantly. Yeah. Out, yeah. yeah, I think it's great. So then it's really just about getting the, the, the attention of, of the reader or the consumer in the fastest possible way for... I believe so. It's certainly the most relevant kind of way. Yeah. And if that, again, if that relevance is sight, sound, motion with video, great. If it's with long-form word, great. If it's with short bursts of information, great. If it's with a notification, that's great. If it's in an email, that's great. Yeah. You know, it really depends on what we're all trying to do and the gooiness of holding attention for people that you want to actually capture, I guess. Yeah. Cool. So, last question. Um, uh, you mentioned you use the people to get the news, the people you follow. You don't, don't follow brands, but you follow people. Yeah. But what other kind of things do you use to get, you know, on top of things? Yeah, you know what, it's actually the reverse of all of that. Okay. It's, I'm a massive texter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer, I love to speak to people. Yeah. So I'll speak to people first. Texting comes along, which just helps me communicate in short bursts yeah. with people that I care about. So my network's really tight with people that are really interesting and outside of the industry. Oh, outside. Yeah, they're kind of cultural influences, like artists and musicians, etc. So it gives me a sense of what people are thinking out there. Smart. And so it's quite odd. Yeah. And then, so again, it's face to face. It's texting. I don't rarely speak on the phone. Uh, and then it's it's that contribution of that tribe. Yeah. And then the last thing I go to is really the open network. You know, that validates that something is interesting. But, yeah. But it's smaller, close, deep, intimate relationship. It's the kind of opposite of the broadcast model. It's yeah. very narrow cast. That's just the way I like to work with and, and that's also how, you say, teens and others start using those networks. Yeah, they actually lock them down, too. Lock them down, yeah. What's interesting, though, is that, you know, I think about things, what's innovative, so what's kind of being reinvented, that's uh, disruptive. Yeah. Um, how does it look like when it starts to merge? So where does it catch fire? What are the things that catch fire for them? Yeah. And then ultimately, when does it become mainstream? When things become mainstream, I'm less interested in it. Yeah. But I, I, you as know, in music, you discover this artist, you follow yeah. him and kind of share him, and then everyone knows him, and the yeah. magic's kind of gone. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And maybe their magic's gone too, I don't yeah. know. Or the reason why I came at, came at it that way. So that's no different. And I think music's a nice association to think about that. Yeah. But I do, 
Yeah, I think there's this kind of triangle of innovation, merging, mainstream. And it's really interesting to think about those three pillars in the context of, you know, what I do every day. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's kind of really how it works. Small tribe, big tribe. I'd like to tell that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Let's end it on that note. Beautiful. Thank you so much, man. My man. Anytime. So there you have it. David Shingi from AOL. Thank you so much for listening. Um, it would mean a great deal for me if you would go to iTunes and uh, rate my podcast and maybe give me a review. I would, I would love to get more people to, to listen to all the exciting interviews I'm going to do uh, in the time going uh, forward. So thank you again and we'll talk soon.